Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630, WLAP, the home of the Cats. I'm Al Tucker of The Athletic, and together Curtis and I are here every day, Monday through Friday, talking the Cats. If it's a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, you can hear it right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This edition of the show is brought to you by I Am Third. We'll tell you more about them in just a bit. We're going to be talking football and basketball on this edition of the show. Mark Stoops held a luncheon today over at Kroger Field. He had some some news to kind of break. Plus, we're going to talk about Kyle's uh, long profile of all the guys that are going to be joining this year's UK basketball team. Um, plus, we got a comment um, that I was going to run by Kyle that I thought was interesting. And uh, we got to talk fashion because that's what we do now. Um, because some of the former guys were on campus and they're making they're making some statements. But let's start, Kyle, with football. And Mark Stoops held the annual what is this? I forget what they titled this one. Season kickoff luncheon at Kroger Field. They have so many of these. I sometimes forget the name. The biggest news uh, off of this event was that Josh Pascal is going to be. Moving back to outside linebacker, which much of the staff had talked about how they thought they thought they were going to keep him inside, but this could be the answer to what they do without Josh Allen. Yeah, the, well, that piece of news, and then also the fact that I guess he's heading into his last treatment, right, for yes. the skin cancer, um, which is the biggest news of all. But yeah, I, I like this move. Um, He's a guy. That's where he started out, I believe, his freshman year, right before yes. they moved him. Um, and you know that was that was when everybody kind of saw the flashes um, of what he could do. And so um, I like it. I think if he he's probably got to lose some weight, and maybe he already has because they bulked him up for that position. Um, but if he slims back down, I think he's a great candidate to try to help at least help fill the void of, of Josh Allen. Um, you know, as a a freshman playing outside linebacker, he had 16 tackles, three and a half for loss. Uh, all those, all three and a half of those were sacks, three hurries, blocked a punt uh, or a kick. I can't recall which. Uh, you know, he he is, uh, I think, a dynamic talent, and for them, that's uh, at a position where they need some help. I think that's great. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's um, you know, Mark Stoop said down at SEC Media Days and. Hoover, Alabama, that he felt like they had seven or eight guys who could play that defensive line, and they're running that 3-4, so they only need three of those seven or eight guys at a time on the field, and so if you have a guy who's versatile enough to go on the outside, then it makes sense to do that. A guy who you know has, has shown some flashes, he's obviously an unbelievable talent, That based off of how he came in as a recruit, where people ranked him, and then once you saw him on the field briefly, it was pretty evident that he was going to be able to make an impact. And so getting as much talent on the field as you can, I think, is obviously just a, a super smart move. And I'm guessing everybody's going to be on board with it, uh, specifically uh, when you're in a situation where your secondary is is so new and now was down a guy, as we talked about on last some last week's podcast with uh, Robinson going down with injury and missing the season, you're going to want to get to the quarterback as much as possible. And if Pascal, you know, has shown he's can do that, I think that it's a situation where they want him to play as much as possible, and they already have a ton of depth on the defensive line. So moving him makes a ton of sense. Speaking of linebackers, this could, uh, I mean, I don't know, Kyle, if you want to, 
if you want to play the reading into stuff a little bit too much, if the moving of Pascal may be a signal that they're they're not feeling great about Xavier Peters' appeal, he's also an outside linebacker, the transfer from Florida State, who's working to be eligible immediately. Um, but the update they gave today is they don't have word back from the NCAA. Um, so still kind of wait and see on his situation, obviously. He comes from Florida State and has a, is originally from the Cincinnati area, and his hardship waiver is based on the fact that he wanted to be closer uh, to his son. But, you know, that would be more talent. I think they would definitely want on the field. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's – to me, that's another uh, that's another big question mark. I and mean, it does sort of feel like that not a, maybe not a coincidence making the move um, as we – what are we, just a handful of days away from – camp what's the official start date on camp well i guess report day is technically thursday i believe is how that works um but it all gets going this week and weekend you got we got media day on friday and then fan day on saturday so i think technically they're allowed to they work out and do some practicing on that on that friday if i'm remembering correctly so i mean it's right at the end of this week is is when they're getting going yeah, I mean, so I would guess that they probably know something or expect to know something soon on Peters. Um, so the the timing of that does not feel necessarily coincidental. Um, you know, and I don't think that's the worst thing. It'd be great to to add a guy like Peters, but um, you know, if he does have to sit, let him let him get comfortable and um, kind of come roaring into the gates next year. I, I do think that was a big addition for them to. Um, to get a guy that they what got a commitment from in the first place, yeah. Uh, before he went to Florida State, and uh, Vince Merrill is very good at those guys. The uh, say no, say no to him once, but uh, so a lot of guys can't say no to him twice. Speaking of Vince Merrill, he also uh, spoke at the event, and of course, him being the director of recruiting or the recruiting coordinator, he, he talked about how now UK has a little bit of a brand recognition and i'm reading here from josh moore's article uh, from the herald leader he's got a quote from marrow saying our logo's strong now we can go into jersey we can go to california we can go anywhere because people have seen us play you know kyle that's a situation where obviously you're bred in in college football i think that for the most part and you know there always are a couple of exceptions but for almost for most teams, your recruiting is going to be localized. And Mark Stoops said many times the five to six hour radius, which is now kind of gone up to, to Michigan. But just having that visibility and the possibility of going out if there's somebody you really want that isn't in that radius is now obviously easier than it was before. Yeah, I mean, you've got to have the bulk of your roster from, from close to home. Uh, just about everybody does if you're not Alabama or you know Georgia these days or a couple other programs but uh, but the other really good programs are also you know they all have a, a couple of stars from here and there uh, in other places you know you go, go steal a guy hit a home run work a connection that you have you know whether whatever that might be get a guy's teammate and then the next cycle you got a five-star kid from the same school and you can uh, sway that kid to come but yeah and and the brand recognition piece of it is absolutely crucial to that whether the brand is your coach 
uh, or the brand is your program or both. Um, you know, like Kentucky basketball, the the program is its own brand, but then you have a guy like Calipari who's kind of a brand as well. And um, maybe Vince Merrill has sort of become that for Kentucky um, to walk into living rooms. He's just so sort of well-known now as this great recruiter. Um, but uh, no, it's the fact that they're now starting to reach beyond their bread and butter, beyond the Kentucky, Ohio area, um, is pretty significant. Josh Pascal is an example of that as a guy out of, um, now just blank. Is he from Jersey? Uh, Maryland, I thought. Oh, Maryland. Yeah. 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 Um, but he obviously has the family connection where, well, see that's, I think that this is that those kind of go hand in hand. His brother played at UK. Um, but if you're in a situation where, you know, you have like a connection to somebody who's out of your typical recruiting area, right. but you can you still, yeah, you can go to that high school and it not be like a, 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 an insane idea. Like why in the world would you go to UK? Now people have seen the results. And so I think that that all, all works in harmony. Yes. No, I think you're right. Okay, let's take a quick break, um, and coming up after the break, we'll talk about Kyle's uh, latest piece on The Athletic, breaking down some of the newcomers with comments from coaches who know them well. But before that, let me tell you about I Am Third. I Am Third is based on a simple belief that Jesus Christ is first, others are second, and I Am Third. Founded in 1997, I Am Third Sports has grown to become one of the largest youth recreation programs in Kentucky. They use their sports ministries to promote competitive youth athletics through a positive environment. They foster development through basketball, soccer, tennis, equine, and a variety of other sports leagues, camps, and clinics. If you go to www.iamthird.org, that's I-A-M, the number three, R-D-O-R-G, you can find more about uh, their leagues and clinics, or you can also uh, email Jeremy Hobbs, the director um, at I am third at lexchurch.com. That's the same same way as the website. I am the number three RD at lexchurch.com. So check out I am third.org. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. This is Locked On Kentucky. Your team every day. Kyle, you had a pretty extensive piece with uh, coverage of all the new UK guys. And uh, we'll just kind of let you preview that a little bit. If people haven't got a chance to go uh, check it out yet, I suggest they do. Um, but you talked to a coach of all the new uh, new players for UK basketball, and then you pulled some quotes from Joel Justice when he talked to us on this podcast. Yeah, and 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 doing that, you know, he was very thorough. I was, uh, you know, uh, as I look back at it, I was impressed with how detailed Joel got, how much detail Joel got into with every one of the newcomers with us. So that really supplemented that piece. And like you said, I, I spoke to either the high school, the AAU. Or in, in Nate Sestina's case, the a former college coach at Bucknell, 
uh, about those guys, you know, break down their game for me. Uh, and then the one thing I did at the end was what's something you know about uh, your player, uh, Johnny Juzang, for example, what's something you know about Johnny um, that Kentucky fans are about to find out. And so those, some of those answers were pretty interesting. Um, I thought um, it's, it's a, I think a pretty thorough, long, introduction to all the new guys in one place we i I have their recruiting ranking their high school uh averages point points and rebounds and assists per game and all that stuff in high school and then also a thing i included because it's hard to track this down for high school stats but it's available for their aau seasons is their uh for all the guys their three-point attempts and makes and percentages um uh because you know we've talked about this team being a very positionless team and having a bunch of different options. The guys can be used a lot of different ways. And one thing you'll notice in that piece is that the little stat line at the top for each guy, um, they all shot it a decent amount from three and at a pretty good clip. Uh, Keon Brooks was probably the lowest, I think, at 30%. He, he, took, he was 19 of 63 from three uh, on the summer circuit last year. But some of the other guys uh, really have some solid numbers. I mean, a guy like Khalil Whitney, who could play the three or the four, he took 103 threes and made 38, 37%. Not bad. Um, Tyrese Maxey took a ton. He took 145 threes. He only shot 33%, but I think he's a little better shooter than that. Uh, Johnny Juzang shot at almost 40% on 114 per, uh, attempts. Um, you know, we know that as a junior before he tore his ACL as a senior in the high school ranks, Dante Allen shot it at 40, almost 40% from three. Uh, and then Nate Sestina shot 38% uh, last year at Bucknell as a big man, took 108 threes uh, during the season. So that's like something just in kind of compiling the nuts and bolts without even interviewing anybody that jumped out to me that I had not really all put, never put it all down in one place. But, all six guys that Kentucky added um, can shoot the three, uh, and some of them shoot it really, really well. So um, that, that to me is not an insignificant thing. Uh, and then I would say the one of the things that kind of jumps out at me, uh, or a couple of them, Johnny Juzang, um, having played some point guard in high school, and Joel Justice mentioned, you know, he's, he's probably a third ball handler, but it's interesting to think about him like that as, a, as another guy who can have the ball in his hands. Keon Brooks, you know, being the, he and Khalil Whitney being really positionless, I think is interesting. Joel Justice saying, I could, you know, I can hit, it's like the golf club. I can hit this whether I'm 200 yards away or right there on the green. And his, his high school coach at the, La, how do you say it? La Lumiere? La Lumiere? I don't know. The uh, powerhouse school in Indiana. His coach said, you know, he was a guy who was a great scorer on the wing who could, guard two through four for us and shot almost 40 percent from three uh was great at putting it on the on the deck and and creating his own shot um he said you know in his previous high school situation he was closer to the basket so he has a very good mid post and mid-range game and is comfortable being on the low block uh, as a mismatch against someone um and so that's interesting because i think you're going to end up being right curtis i think you've said this um of the guys that are of the of the wing guys that they signed, as we look for who might they, you know, slide down and play a small ball for, if need be, because they don't have a lot of front court guys. I I do think Keon Brooks is going to end up being that guy, 
Um, you know, and, and if you read these comments, both from Joel Justice and from his high school coach, I think you can kind of see that in there. Yeah, and um, my genius with that comment, Kyle, is based off the fact that he looked tall in the photos. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he is the tall. I think he's the tallest of all the the wings they signed. He's, you know, legitimately but, six seven plus. Yeah, I mean, and I, I mean, I, I'm half joking there, but that uh, when I when it harkened back to when I did see him in AAU basketball, I did see somebody who. It's not that he loved to mix it up in the post, like that wasn't what he was doing a ton in those games, but he wasn't scared to go down there. And I think that that's that's like I, I think that's the biggest thing when you're trying to maybe fit a four into a spot uh, when it when he's a traditional wing and him him having that ability. I think he and Whitney would both be able to do it in a pinch, which I think is is just unbelievably uh, lucky uh, bonus to have with those type of guys. Yeah, I really do think this is this is one of Calipari's most mix and matchable rosters. Um, you know, I think they'd like to have more in the paint than they do. And I think they still hope they can add in Folly Dante. I think it's a coin flip right now whether they can do that. Uh, but if they don't, it it probably forces Calipari to play a different way. And if he does adapt to his personnel, I think they could be really fun. Um, one other thing that jumps out from this piece, and I hope people will go to the athletic and read the whole thing and check it out. Um, because we do go into a great deal of the detail on every one of the six new guys, but, um, Tyrese Maxey's, uh, AAU coach with Houston hoops. Um, folks will probably remember that name if they followed guys before they got here to Kentucky, De'Aaron Fox and Jared Vanderbilt were both, uh, Houston hoops guys played for this coach. Um, Justice Winslow at Duke, Justin Jackson at North Carolina, Carson Edwards at Purdue, Robert Williams at Texas A&M, all played in that program. And his coach said, I think Tyrese is as good as any of them. Not as fast as De'Aaron, but similar in the way he affects the game on both ends. Uh, Tyrese is stronger and scores better from the perimeter than De'Aaron did at this age. Um, And then the other thing he said was, I don't think there's anybody better in the country when there's 10 seconds left in the game and you need a basket. So um, that's pretty high praise all around for Tyrese Maxey. I, I, I don't think it's really going out on a limb to predict that he'll be their best freshman, their most impactful freshman, uh, slightly ahead of Johnny Juzang. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think I think Tyrese Maxey is going to be their, the star of their freshman. And nothing that I, nothing that I heard from uh, these coaches – gives me any reason to think otherwise yep so everybody uh, go check that out if you haven't uh let's take another quick break and after this we have a question we're gonna pose uh that someone sent in and then we're gonna talk a little fashion you are locked on kentucky part of the locked on podcast network so i got a dm from cameron kyle and i thought this was a really interesting he said that he was listening to the podcast and hearing the breakdown and scouting report for Khalil Whitney, um, something that kept coming to his mind. He said he sounds like Alex Poitras. What do you think about that comparison? Well, is it possible that his ceiling is higher? Well, what do you think about that kind of comp? Yeah, I would. Uh, I mean, I think, yes, his ceiling is higher because uh, we know what Alex Poitras' ceiling is, you know, um, at least unless something dramatically changes. He was a guy who played four years at Kentucky and was good all four years and impactful, uh, didn't get drafted, and 
has kind of bounced around on two-way deals and, and played in the G League and played a little bit in the NBA. I think it's, I mean, right now you can set his ceiling higher than that. I mean, I don't think it's lower than that. Well, um, well I, I mean, I don't know. This is obviously kind of – you could differ in a certain extent because if I look back at Poitras when he came in, I don't think they're the perfect match. I Well, I think that – I think they'll play similar, but I think yeah. in part, but I think the problem was I don't think Poitras was ever able to reach his ceiling, a because of injury, which is obvious. I mean, everyone kind of knows the, the the ins and outs going in and out of season and trying to rehab back uh, that hurt him and hurt probably Kentucky's undefeated season because I think most people agree if he was if he was there to slow down Wisconsin's office, Kentucky would have had a good chance to win the game. Um, yes. but, but beyond that, I. I Feel like Poitras should have been a four, and and he would have been more successful. Um, Whitney will get the chance to, I think, play that three. Well, he'll probably be anywhere between that two, three, four, and uh, you know, in, de- in descending time. So I think you're right in the sense that he'll have a ton more success uh, than Poitras uh, because he'll be in a better role. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't even know that he'll have a ton more success than Poitras while he's at Kentucky. If he's one and done, I think he'll be a good player in one year at Kentucky, and probably the best days will be ahead of him. I'm just saying ceiling, long-term ceiling, I feel like he'll probably get drafted. You know, I think he's got first-round potential. There are people that think he's close to a lottery pick um, based on that potential. I think if Alex Poitras had just gone after his freshman season, he would have gone in the first round um, because of potential. And by sticking around and exposing some flaws in his game and then getting injured, he hurt himself. I don't think Whitney will do that, and therefore he'll be drafted higher anyway. And then that'll put him in a position to be in the league longer. Um, So I guess in that way is what I'm saying. The ceiling is probably higher. And they're not the exact same player, but I do see them as similar types of players, certainly similar bodies and uh, athleticism. Um, but, you know, one of the things about Poitras for four years was, like, keep his, how does he keep his motor going? I don't think that's going to be an issue yeah. with Whitney. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. Um, uh, Poitras' athleticism, I think he'll have Whitney on that instance. I mean, there are some things young Poitras did that just would drop your jaw. But to your previous point, you didn't see those enough, um, and, and that was was part of part of his issues. So, well, it's crazy to think back of like that night. Well, I don't, I don't think it was opening night that season, but that that night early in the year in the Champions Classic when they lost to Duke. But he had like twenty and eight, or twenty two and eight. Poitras did and was dunking on people, uh, and I think that very week he was moved up to was he the number one pick? Yeah. Or, or it was like there was talk of like uh, maybe – I think I wrote a piece that like some – maybe Chad Ford or somebody, one of the draft gurus said, you know, maybe Nerlens and, and Poitras could be the one-two pick just like Davis and Kid Gilchrist were the year before. Yeah. Um, it's crazy to think that there was any talk like that early in that season when you know how that season imploded and how things went for those those guys. Yeah. Um, but, you know, talking about Whitney's sort of effort level, his high school coach at Roselle Catholic, who's also co- produced a ton of high-level guys, um, he said he has a, he said Whitney has a nonstop motor. Uh, you never have to ask him to play hard, and that's not given with kids in today's world. Uh, you never have to ask him to go hard in a drill, go hard in a pickup game, go hard in a game when you're up by 20. 
so that's a that's a very very positive sign from Khalil Whitney's coach. Shifting to fashion, have you um seen Tyler Hero? As always, is all over social media. Did you see some of his recent outfits, Kyle? Yes, and I tweeted uh, as such that uh, I was convinced that Rex Chapman had invented a time machine, <laughs> and then Rex Chapman broke out photos of like seriously of very similar uh, pictures of back in the day in the the eighties or early nineties of uh, Rex Chapman. In one of them is like eerily similar. He's in this like you know, gold chain and crazy eighties looking outfit and standing in front of like a graffiti type wall. And that's exactly what one of, uh, what Tyler heroes photos is in this thing. So Tyler hero should start driving an IROC for sure. Should start driving an IROC. That is, that is an excellent, excellent, uh, vehicle for him. I think that was what, what Rex Chapman had. If I remember in the urban legend and the vanity plate said, I Rex. I think that's right. Yes, I think I believe that's part of his lore. Well, and so he, but I will give him props for this. He threw out the first pitch at the Miami Marlins game and did a good job, like from threw it the, down mound. the middle, a little high, but threw it right down the right down the pipe. Obviously, UK basketball has some history with that. John Wall threw one of the worst ever. Yep, sideways. So when you get to, up on those moments, it's always uh, kind of scary. And um, you know we're we're about to wrap up this podcast, but since we've talked baseball, I've decided this door is now open. Since Cincinnati's the closest team to us in Major League Baseball, how about uh, that brawl? Pretty awful. And uh, Cal's got some John Calipari's got some explaining to do for his pal Clint Hurdle because Clint Hurdle is dirty, man. I'm sorry, I don't know any other way to say it, but he's clearly running a franchise running a clubhouse where it's acceptable to, uh, if not not a direct order, which he claims it isn't, to uh, throw at dudes' heads for staring too long at their home run, uh, and they just keep plunking people, and especially the Reds. And I was, I thought it was freaking awesome uh, when Garrett charged and decided to take on the entire Pirates team. And then Yasiel Puig, who was already traded earlier in the night, uh, still took up arms with his... Red's buddies won last time, and he looked like he was ready to demolish somebody. And then, to your point about Hurdle, David Bell, who had been ejected, and so the way I understand things, he'll like get even in more trouble now, came out from the clubhouse, the locker room, wherever he was, out of the dugout after he got ejected, to go fight Clint Hurdle. And yeah. I was uh, actually, this is uh, this will connect it to Kentucky. Uh, Derek Terry, our buddy, I was hosting Big Blue Insider tonight, and he, he was in with me, and he was telling me that former UK baseball assistant uh, David Eckstein is now with the Pirates, and he was one of the dudes holding uh, Bell back from beating up on Clint Hurdle. Uh, nope, nope. He wasn't holding him back. He got him on, in, on the ground and had him in a headlock. Okay, well, I was trying to be like... <laughs> He had him in a headlock. I mean, what a what a uh, ridiculous spectacle that was. I I I was just told I, I am uh, completely repulsed by the pirates, and uh, I, I'm all for whoever wants to go at them every time they hit a batter for the rest of the season. They ought to be there. Ought to be a brawl every time. So you can look forward to that on UK Basketball Media Day. Kyle Tucker saying, "Hey, John." Defend your boys. 
<laughs> All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Um, <laughs> unless Kyle has anything else, any other any other nope. band of thieves from the high seas that you'd like to slander? Nope, that's it. Please follow along with us on social media at LockedOnUK on both Instagram and Twitter. You can find Kyle on Twitter. At Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. You can find me at Curtis Birch, B-U-R-C-H. Um, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with somebody else who would enjoy. Thanks again to I Am Third for sponsoring this edition of the show. We'll talk to you guys soon. You are locked on Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts locked on. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. I don't know. Sorry, I was coughing. I had I muted my phone while I coughed, but um <laughs>